Hello, hello. Happy whatever day it is when you're listening to this. Haley and I had a really fun conversation with Margaret Becker, who is a fellow military spouse, although she has ties to the Navy, but uh, we tried not to hold that against her. Go Army. Um, and she is a nurse and a lactation consultant, which I thought was a really cool combination. She owns the Mobile Milk Maid and offers home visits and tons of educational opportunities for people in her area and support groups. She is currently living in Spain with her family, uh, where her husband is serving, and she had some really fun stories, so sweet, um, some good advice for all those moms that are currently in that breastfeeding stage, and I hope that you enjoy her as much as we did. Hi, and welcome to the Don't Beat Around the Bush podcast. I'm Addie Holzman. And I'm Haley Kava. We're friends, pelvic floor physical therapists, moms, and occasional hot messes who are here for real, uncensored conversations about all things pelvic health. And because our conversations are uncensored, they're likely not appropriate for little ears. Please remember our disclaimer. Although we both are licensed physical therapists, we are not your physical therapist. Yeah, anyways. And our content is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your own healthcare team for individualized advice, diagnoses, and treatment. So this is Addie. Hi, Hi, Addie. My friend (laughs) and, and... Yeah, my pelvic floor PT. Um, yeah, bestie, bestie. <laughs> yeah, are you both? Are you both West Point wives? We are. So go army, right? Yeah. So, so it's like the army asses versus the goat milk navy. <laughs> I so my dad. My dad went to the Naval Academy, and my husband and most of the men in my family. And um, so we are, like I was raised with all these songs against army. I'm sure you were raised or have heard the same against mm-hmm. <laughs> Navy. Um, yeah. Haley, I just wanted to ask, did you said your husband, did he play football for Navy? Uh, for, for Army, yeah. Army, sorry, sorry, sorry. It's so funny. So here I'm friends with a lady who's Spanish and her son played for Army. And I'm oh, wondering cool. if Villanueva, I don't know if he oh, played. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so his mom, yeah. Um, Maddie. He's also think, very tall. Um, he was a, he was a senior when Bobby was okay. a freshman, I think. So they, they he was were, in my okay. husband's class. Yeah. Okay. They were here before when we were here and then they're back now. And you, you see them like not, not as much with COVID, but events because they're the, the tallest Spanish people that you'll ever see. Um, and they, <laughs> awesome. we do a lot of like joint activities. So yeah, it was just, it was a small world. We have a big army Navy game here and they always come and they're the only army supporters. So <laughs> he was one of the best players. Yeah. It's pretty rare yeah. for, uh, for someone from the Academy to go play in the, in the NFL. So that was like a yeah. big, a big yeah. deal. I think you know he about. was the largest ever ra- army ranger. I think even the one of the biggest yeah. people who was ever airborne allowed to He's- jump out of airplanes. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I was just joking with uh, one of my clients because I have two boys that are going to be big boys. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so we were, you know, we've been having these conversations of like, are we done? Are we, you know, what's mm-hmm. what's our family going to look like? And I was joking. I was like, well, if we had a third son, uh-huh. then how are we going to feed them all when they are bigger? <laughs> because like, even no, now I yeah. feel like the, like that's a real consideration. <laughs> it's, uh, that's, no it's funny. I always love how like what people do with their genes is what they're naturally attracted to. So my husband wrote lightweight crew at the Academy. He's tall, <laughs> but he's so thin, like lean naturally. Uh-huh. And my family were, um, from Holland, Michigan. So like Dutch American, we we're born with kinkles, we'll die with kinkles, just, <laughs> just built from the ground up. My dad was a rugby player for Navy, um, and just big people. And I, I feel like somewhere subconsciously, my family was like, let's change that. He's his family's, um, Jewish. And so he was joking that they're like, let's change it up. And my family's like, let's change up our yeah, genes. But, diversify you know. <laughs> the, the, yeah. the gene pool. People are always like, when they, they ask about Bobby and I, they're like, so you're from Canada and he grew up in Samoa. <laughs> like, how did this, how did this happen? And I joke. So we met on spring break in Panama city, Ooh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like real spring mm-hmm. break. And so that's, that's the joke is like, Oh, Panama city, Florida. Like, of course that's where, but yeah, yeah no, definitely. We, uh, I feel like the same thing, like, Oh, I needed to, I needed to change up the, the, the gene pool a little <laughs> the bit. Gene pool. <laughs> yeah. I, 
I was a lifeguard on base. Um, don't do that for your kid daughters. <laughs> I was like, I'll never marry a Navy guy. <laughs> I was a lifeguard on base and he peed in my pool. <laughs> I think talking about breasts and nipples and really getting into that will be... I brought some. Oh, you yeah. brought some nipples? <laughs> I did. I did. Speaking of diversifying. Yeah. Oh, I love that. The knitted um, nipples. And then I have the ones that you can feel for um, lumps and mastitis. Oh, nice. And, nice. Uh, yeah. All that the little cool. boobs in a bag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hi, I am Margaret Becker. I am a registered nurse and international board certified lactation consultant. I had a totally different career. I used to write contracts for the military. And then my brother, who is a um, obstetrician for the Navy, actually, asked me one day to shadow him when I wasn't happy halfway through my career. And I said, well, let me let me do that. I've always been in really into women's issues and women's health, um, just on a, on a personal passion side. He said, why don't you go back to school and be an OBGYN like me? Why don't you go to med school? And I loved the nurses. <laughs> I wanted to stay with the patients. So I started then it was a long, long time ago. And I went, I went to nursing school and, um, thought, for a while about becoming a midwife, um, worked as a NICU and perinatal nurse for the UC system in California. It's a great program, kind of a nurse residency program. And they also have a really great lactation consultant. Um, they're a baby-friendly hospitals, kind of, kind of cutting-edge birth centers in the hospital, really um, beautiful environment. And I just, I don't do well at um, in there, I had some twins and I don't do well with staying up all night. Um, <laughs> so I was, thought that for my family, and I'm also a military spouse, moving around a lot to go down the path of getting into community health and lactation consultant. So then from there, um, I became a visiting nurse um, for a nonprofit that does community support resources, education, and health support for military families, particularly I have been overseas for almost nine years now straight. And um, and so I do support groups. I've got lead a grief support group for mothers who have had are trying to conceive, women who are trying to conceive or lost babies or had miscarriages or stillbirths. And then um, for pregnancy and postpartum and for our active duty or single mothers um, in the military. So I lead those support groups, but my primary role is getting in the home after they deliver anyway from day two to, to up to a year and doing those kind of well checks, weighing baby. And it's a lot of breastfeeding. So a lot of lactation support. And then um, virtually I have my own practice for people not in the area to support them through um, being a lactation consultant. That's what yeah. I do. That's, <laughs> I feel that's like amazing. one of the biggest, I don't know, like shocks becoming a mom. You think breastfeeding is so natural and it's so easy and all you have to do is pop them on and, and it'll mm -hmm. be all, you know, hunky dory. And then you're like, oh damn, this is not, this is not easy. What am I doing? And I think that's common. I think a lot of moms mm -hmm. do think, oh yeah, like that shouldn't be a problem. Breastfeeding yeah. is what we're made to do. So whatever. Mm -hmm. And there's so many things. Right. <laughs> so many things. Learn. And it's just a, it's really like a veil. So most westernized, like American women have not been around another woman postpartum or breastfeeding her baby. It's like all of a sudden we're just kind of put to the side, like elderly, right? We're just like in this little space that nobody talks mm -hmm. about it. Same with vulvas. That's your job. Yeah, yeah, to, to, yeah, to be yeah. like, nobody talks about sex or poop or peeing. Well, nobody talks about breastfeeding other than you hear, I did it. It's easy or it's horrible. You don't have to do it. Those are the two. Yeah. Like, Everyone's shoved to the bathroom yeah. stalls trying to breastfeed, yeah, right? Um, I think that's changing though. Is it not? Yes. I think, yeah. I, I think feel like getting out of the bathroom. We're getting mm -hmm. out of the toilet stall for sure. <laughs> my have, first yeah, baby who's going to be eight this oh, month. I don't even know what month it is in May. My twins are eight. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So I remember I would not breastfeed him in public. Like didn't want anyone to even know that I was feeding him so I would sit in the back of our truck and like literally put blankets like in the windows and all the way mm -hmm. around me to like, feed him it was mm -hmm. ridiculous and I have no yeah. idea why yeah. there was so much 
But I, by my third one, I was like <laughs> whipping them out wherever. Yeah. I yeah. think it's this, you know, our breasts are only supposed to be sexual objects. All of a sudden you have to, that transition where our body becomes like a food source, that transition that is hard to wrap around mentally, right? There's a huge mm-hmm. mental piece to it. Um, and so I think for most, and then you feel judged and, and you can't win. I have friends who have to pull or are pulling out a bottle because their breastfeeding experience didn't go out plan and they're feeling judged depending on the mm-hmm. community. And then yeah. others who are, you know, it's like, you can't win these days, yeah. which is really, yeah. really sad to me. Yeah. Just getting comfortable. There's so many times when you, right after you give birth that all of your modesty or all of your personal, you know, privacy just goes out the window, right? You've had a whole Mm -hmm. team of people potentially all up in your, your business as the baby comes out. And then if you're lucky lactation or a nurse who's savvy in lactation comes in and is trying to, trying to help you and Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. I've been just completely nude for the last 24 hours potentially. And now you want to me to take off my top and show me all those things as well. And I think for me with my first, I was like, forget it. Like here it is. (laughs) Help me. I don't know what I'm doing, but I think that sometimes that shame or that wanting to maintain some semblance of, of privacy can be a barrier for women again, like we don't have nude beaches in commonly in the US. We don't even change in change rooms without yeah. covering ourselves. I think that's a big reason why we will feel self-conscious about our, our breasts. My brother, they live in Japan right now. And I, we visited them. We just lived in Guam and uh, we were Spain, Guam, Spain. But when we were in Guam, we visited them and we went to an onsen, which is their like bathhouses, which is wonderful. Um, and th- those are separated by sex, where as opposed to like Germany or Sweden, that's <laughs> just the whole family um, and <laughs> your friends. And, <laughs> and that's a different, you know, experience. And then you realize that like, we're the weird, you're the weirdo, you know, <laughs> yeah. my sister-in-law and my niece and my daughters into this onset. And, and it was grandma's down to babies. And I'm like, how refreshing the fact that, that you could see real bodies, really. Um, my daughter's eight years old, had so many questions. Um, but we were doing it together as a family and it was women and it was very peaceful in a culture that's like the most respectful and what I would say private, but really that is just like, it's a body. And even in my twins, they have different, you know, anatomy. They look so different. They're paternal girl twins. And, you know, in the NICU, you, you see twins all together all the time. And you're like, everybody's anatomy is a little different. different. And, but <laughs> until you start seeing naked bodies a lot, you realize, well, we're all a little weird and then nobody's weird. Right. <laughs> so, Right. Yeah. Um, Do you find that since you've worked in lots of different cultures between Guam Mm -hmm. and Spain and Japan and all sorts of different areas, do you find that breastfeeding goes easier or there's less taboo surrounding like showing your breasts or talking about your breasts or problems that you're having with breastfeeding in those cultures? Yeah. So sometimes, and I I don't want to stereotype, there's always like you know, there's always, um, people that, uh, are the outlier or the exception in my experience. I found that cultures that I thought, or that I've been in that I thought would be mm, particularly very private or uh, modest with breastfeeding are not when it comes to breastfeeding, um, but are with outside of the home or outside of that. And it really depends. What I've seen is if it's a culture where grandma is going to be taking care of the mom, um, how it should be really all these women kind of surrounding you. If it's a culture that is very um, familial based, strong sense of elders and women kind of take care of each other, then breastfeeding really goes okay. Or you have that layer of support. Some, somebody's always feeding mom, particularly somewhere like Japan or um, in many Pacific Island nations or moms are staying in for a, a lengthy time, sometimes 40 days and not supposed to go outside. But that to us, it would be like, you're limiting me, right? Our mentality would go, no, I got to get to Costco or in that kind of mentality. It's like, no, you stay and do what you have to do. And I'll take care of you. Usually breastfeeding is not taboo in that sense, you know, where you think, oh, it would be because they seem more private or um, modest, quiet. But I think when we take a girl, a lady, and we just have her depend on husband and no other support. And we say, make this work, probably going to fumble a lot with it. Um, And then you add in different, different cultures. Usually they say um, generally in America, if the, the younger, so our teen moms or our 
pretty young moms, which we're seeing a lot in the military, if they're more at that sexualized state or just very new to becoming a mother and younger, it's less comfort in breastfeeding. And then depending on how you were raised or modesty, you know, maybe deep south versus, but um, it, I think it depends on um, the personal culture and also sometimes the age can get into it. And then also in the military, I don't know if you guys see this, but overseas, I see it when we get in these communities that you like know everybody. So if you're going to be breastfeeding and it's going to be like the person your husband works with, and sometimes that can be a funny dynamic too, is depending on where, how small your community is. I feel like, cause my kids are, we have like a tripod family, like friend that. situation going on. <laughs> so we, we have another family who just had a baby and then Haley had um, baby Robert in the fall. And I love when they like feed around my kids. Cause I'm like, yes, my kids are going to see this as normal. Mm -hmm. And they like have never batted an eye. Have they? Mm -hmm. They've never batted an eye. No. I had a, a lot of struggles getting started breastfeeding with my, my first son. And I remember, yeah, being in public and trying to navigate the cover and then getting him to latch right and, mm -hmm. and lining everything up. And I remember, one time, I think I was like in the car with the cover and it was like hot and it was, I was sweating. And, and I think at that moment, I just lost my mind and I was like, forget it. If people want to look at me, they can look at me. And I like threw the cover off, went outside, pulled my shirt all the way up. Cause I was like, we're going to get this right. <laughs> I remember yeah. you telling me that story. And just like, <laughs> I don't care anymore. Like we're going to yeah. do this. It was definitely liberating. And I think I realized that people aren't really gawking the way that you think they are in your mind. And if someone's un say something to me, try it. <laughs> you right. Know? Mm -hmm. And but it took a lot of anguish mm -hmm. and a lot of like internal struggle to get to to get to that point. Yeah. And I just I think that's sometimes my hope is like more moms can can feel comfortable mm -hmm. doing that and not and not have to go through that process if that's what they want to do. Right, right. Yeah, because it, it's the same as I remember I was feeding somewhere and um, uh, it was sunny out. I think this was my son. I My son is um, about 18, 19 months younger than my twins. So yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> the deployment in there was the rough one, but we, we made it. But I was feeding my son and um, I had like shielded his face with a little like blanket. We were in California at the time right before we were getting ready to move and a lady had come up and was like, you don't have to cover him and like starting to remove the blanket. And, I, and it was like the opposite reaction where I'm like, mm. no, I'm not modest. I'm just <laughs> this mm. end where, where I could see how it's forceful on the other end where you're like, right. you sh everyone should be liberated going, well, everybody has to be do how they feel comfortable. Right. Mm -hmm. But I do have just one little funny story about making everyone comfortable in their breastfeeding experience. Um, when we had the twins and they were um, about a year and I didn't know that I was pregnant with my son, we thought, let's go on a vacation. And um, we woke up really early. We're really tired. And we get on the plane. In order to nurse twins, you really almost have to be topless because um, there's nothing that you can really like. I, mean, I hope now maybe I should develop that, like nursing twin tops. Especially mine were little. They came out four pounds, you know, so they're tinier twins. And so flying from California to Miami with two almost one-year-olds, um, twins, I wanted to latch them on the takeoff. And I said, will you just like hold this blanket as we're at the back of the bus? Um, we were so tired. It spoke to our sleep deprivation. And I woke up and um, the twins had slid off my breasts and I was like dripping milk as moms, a lot of moms and twins are do, or moms in general, that you're dripping milk. And my husband's curled up with my with the blankie. There's a line of people waiting to go to the bathroom. And I even got a wink from a guy. Oh, um, and, um, uh, yeah. Yuck. And you're just feeling yucky and, you know, tripping. You, you just feel yucky because you're, you know, leaking bodily fluids. And I'm hitting him going, you had one job, one job. <laughs> just <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so that, yeah. Uh, that, that sounds like <laughs> something that, that my husband would do, like fall asleep holding the blanket for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, I think that's definitely like a big shock. Newly postpartum. One is like the engorgement and like Pamela mm -hmm. Anderson situation that <laughs> that happens. And I remember one morning, uh, my second son actually was like strangely a good sleeper when he was pretty young, like 
And so I remember waking up one morning and being like, oh, I should have woken up in the night to pump, but I, mm-hmm. I just wanted to sleep. And so I like, I'm walking and I can't even have a shirt on because it's just, I need to pump or feed the baby like immediately. Mm-hmm. And so I jokingly like just touched the side of my boob and like shoot <laughs> my husband. <laughs> and he was like, oh my God. <laughs> and so I think it's just I'm like wild, just wild what our breasts can do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I imagine in your profession, you have some um, sticky situations. I too, like everyone's like, I'm, I always like look at my pants after work. I'm like, hmm, what is that? Um, <laughs> you know, because it just, you get, yeah, milky. <laughs> um, every day I'm amazed by what the human body can do and what mothers can do. And, and babies, babies are pretty phenomenal too. Um, and just all of the changes that we go through to birth and feed humans is really astounding. And so, yeah, I always love this fact that our, our breast metabolic system. So the breastfeeding, um, sets the metabolic system to work and burn more calories than the brain uses. So if you're like, I'm always, when my moms are like, I don't, I don't remember. I'm like, well, that's because um, your breasts are working harder than your brain and um, we're burning more, you know, your burn is more. So I just think that is just fascinating that those things are, yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> yeah. That makes a lot of sense now uh, why I can't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> and, and more so in pregnancy, particularly for our like postpartum in that early um, stages, yeah, more um, your breasts are working harder than your body did in its like resting state. So So Haley and I talk a lot about how vulvas and anatomy are very different, Mm -hmm. but like person to person, there's not like a normal. Mm -hmm. And I know that breasts are the same way. Mm -hmm. What can you say along the lines of inverted nipples? And if that is a challenge or not, I had inverted nipples, but Mm -hmm. I didn't ever feel like it was a, I didn't ever feel limited by it, but I know like people say like, oh, inverted nipples, Mm -hmm. you won't be able to breastfeed or whatever. Right. Um, There are, you know, there are very, very few situations physiological that um, you can say they won't be able to breastfeed, even with, with surgeries or what it it's with nipples. Um, generally, um, there's pliability to most nipples. And so a lot of times just getting to the, the range of nipples like vulvos or areolas or breasts, um, we unfortunately are shown um, through images, you know, because we're really in America, you, you don't like we, we're talking about, you don't see breasts everywhere at the beach. You don't see them. We don't see, we don't even know what our friends' breasts look like. And that is, um, I think as a culture, very different <laughs> than the rest of the world. And so we just kind of only know our own or maybe our moms or sisters, and that might even be different depending. I was, I think I was saying, like I have twins and they, you can already at a young age tell like that you're going to look different. So we're kind of typecast and shown these, I call them playboy nipples where you, it's a very small pink, pink to um, tan areola with a very erect nipple. And that's kind of what is marketed. And even in the breastfeeding videos, it's almost always like a C bell shaped breasts that are completely um, symmetric, which is, uh, I think 98% of women or some, some statistic, but it's high, um, have, have, I always say a power boob and a, and a, yep. oh boob my God, me. All, like, <laughs> yeah, my I power mean, boob right now. I, I mean, we're not, you know, and it, it, it doesn't have to do with handedness, but it's like, I'm like, we're not all right-handed, you know, or left-handed, you know, we're not all ambidextrous mm-hmm. is what I'm looking for. You know, we're, we're, our bodies, you see it on phys- as physical therapy. Like we naturally have um, tendencies and, and the breasts are no different. And so I'm always amazed at where they find these, I guess they're professional bodies, right. Where they find these, and there's maybe sometimes surgical, but these kind of, that's what a breast should look like. Um, when having seen breasts all day long, every day, they're so vastly different and can an inverted nipples pose some challenges? Yes. But so can a baby who had, um, was birthed via C-section, you know, and I had two, two babies via C-section, um, but I was able to breastfeed those, those mm-hmm. babies. So it's kind of, it's a, could be a factor in a, in a latching situation, but it's never, uh, well, she has inverted nipples. She can't. Um, and it's really one of the rare things. And unfortunately we have all these products now that like, oh, you can just use this nipple shield and people are just 
oh, you have inverted nipples, just do this. Can it be a tool that we use? Absolutely. But um, most inverted nipples can just work fine and invert on their own. Sometimes if you're pregnant and you want to know, do you know, are you someone if they're touched? And hey, by the way, I really think women should be before they have a baby, like learning hand expression, touching their breasts, looking at their anatomy, looking at their vulva. That's what um, mm-hmm. you guys say, right? We yeah. should get to know our breasts and her bodies and also the changes. Wow, my nipples are darkening or not darkening. And because um, we only hear or see on the internet, which is not <laughs> always accurate, these kind of this is the case or black and white. I would say um, that is a, just like a tongue tie. You know, many babies have um, tongue ties and can feed beautifully. My son was a tongue tie baby and didn't need to be at his stage resized. I just fed twins. Milk was dripping in his mouth. He had these big fat cheeks and suction wasn't an issue, <laughs> right? Could it be an issue in another baby with another mom breast? Yes. Mm-hmm. But it, I always am like, you got two people dancing here. And just because yeah. somebody has really big feet or not, not comparing nipples to feet, but I, <laughs> I should be, you know, you're high. I'm, I have size 11 plus feet and um, I can dance, you know? <laughs> so, yeah. so, the same with nipples. And I have seen perfectly be, those Playboy. I don't want to call them perfect. I've seen those, not that I've looked at a lot of Playboy. Like stereotypical. Yeah, stereotypical, <laughs> picturesque, professional looking nipples. Um, professional nipples. Um, <laughs> but um, I have seen those not be able to um, breastfeed. And I've seen plenty of inverted nipples um, do just great. If it's something you're worried about too, I would meet prenatally with a lactation consultant or a nurse who has very experience in helping mothers just to say, this is my worry. If you have anything, if you have a thyroid issue, anything that says this may impact breastfeeding, I think it's good to have all the tools and education to, to start going and saying, um, probably like you guys see, right. If you go, okay, I had this kind of birth, I probably, or, or my sister had this issue. I should probably, um, know what I'm working with. Right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. exactly. Exactly. I love that sentiment of, yeah, it takes two to, it takes two to tango and it might, I think new moms immediately want to place all the blame on them on themselves. And I think that also goes for like postpartum recovery. It goes for birth. Like, Oh, I, I was somehow lacking in some way. And Mm -hmm. that's why our birth didn't go the way we wanted to, or, or the way I thought it should. That's why breastfeeding didn't go the way Mm -hmm. I thought it should, but it's not, yeah, not placing so much blame on ourselves and, and, being able to have the information so we can seek out the right professionals or um, if it doesn't work out that, that that's okay too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, yeah. and that it's not something that you inherently did, did wrong. Right. Uh, is, is fantastic. I would say, you know, I've worked with moms from every kind of walk of life and really going through hard stuff. And it, it, as I'm, I know, I'm sure you guys have run into a lot, moms with deep mood disorders, moms um, with addictions, moms with really bad past um, childhood traumas or sexual traumas. And I have yet to meet a mom that didn't love her baby. And I have yet to meet a baby that wasn't like, can I try with somebody else? Um, <laughs> and I think so much of their story of I'm not enough and just being a woman, right? I've yet to meet someone who's like, and maybe on paper, but I would love to see that going, I'm really good at this. I'm doing this. You know, I I would love to see more of that. Uh, Also embracing the like, yeah, it's hard. I'm not perfect. And life is messy and it's okay to rest and all those things. But I have yet to meet a mom that doesn't um, struggle with her own inadequacies as a mom, or just that feeling of like, I'm not enough. And the breastfeeding piece, it comes birth, it comes a lot postpartum, um, how well fed our kids are, how are we, how fit we are. I know that you guys probably work with that a lot in that bouncy back culture. So with bre- the breastfeeding piece though, I always want to have that goodwill hunting moment where I just grab their face and be like, it's not your fault. It's not your fault. Um, because it, so much of it is wrapped up in the system and what is in place of support. And most women tell me it's my breasts, right? It's, I'm not holding it right. I'm not doing it right. And it gets back to what they're not doing. I've never heard a woman be like, my baby is kind of a crappy suck. And a lot of times I'm like, Oh, that baby just, that hurts with my finger. And it's, you know, but I, I'm, I'm not going to say your baby has a crap, but I'm saying, Hey, we're going to work on these oral um, strength exercises. And, but it always 
gets back to it's something I did or um and I and you know I've never ever heard a woman refer to like oh she probably got that from my husband he couldn't breastfeed no I mean you've never heard that it's always like I have a tongue tie too or my I, my mom couldn't breastfeed me it just get there's just so much guilt wrapped up in what her body or what she's not doing I would love to just hold that mirror and just say like look at what you are doing and let's celebrate that and let's get you these tools to get to whatever your goals are um mm -hmm. and then also a debrief I really think it's important to debrief um I'm not sure um to debrief if breastfeeding wasn't successful I I think lactations aren't consultants aren't just there to be like I'll make you breastfeed at all costs because there is a cost um if it's not working and mom's mental health is um suffering so um, to have a debrief of like what what went wrong and how do you feel and how can we um, kind of talk through um, what's next and and if there's other children and how how we can approach that differently. Mm -hmm. I did see a statistic once that looked at the economics of a mother who breastfeeds, mm -hmm. and it is if you're exclusively breastfeeding in the first year, the number of it's like it would be like working forty hours a week with no vacation, like the actual time and money. And, and so if we are going to value that mother's dollar, what that contributes to the economy is actually mm -hmm. huge. Mm -hmm. And um, and I think we think, oh, I'm gonna breastfeed because it's free or I'm gonna breastfeed because yeah, I wanna lose weight or I want to do X, Y, or Z because like, that's why I want to breastfeed. and it, I think that's maybe a, a misunderstanding before you go in, because that's definitely mm -hmm. how I felt was like, oh, it's free. It's it's right here. You know, like, yeah, it helps me burn more calories. And so mm -hmm. um, and and it was way, way, way harder than that. Yeah. And so I don't think that that's a fair, a fair thing to tell moms. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -mm. Yeah, I think I think of it a lot as like nutrition. Um, we are really good in our um, culture in my opinion, telling people like you have to eat healthy and it's cheaper and you need to look better, but we're not really good at helping them get there. Right. <laughs> at, like providing, um, you know, equal alternatives that are healthy and accessible for um, and meeting them and putting them in places like 7-Eleven where moms in low income communities are. So it's, just, I think the breastfeeding is really the same. It's really easy for me to be like, well, all women should breastfeed and it's good for you and it's good for the baby. And then, then it's, I always say like, I teach some prenatal classes and I'm not, I don't really hone on like why breastfeeding is good for you because everyone knows it's good for you unless they really want to get into some of the maternal benefits because there's some wonderful maternal benefits that we don't talk about <laughs> because moms are like, will it make me lose weight? And it's good for my baby. But I'm like, hey, how let's talk about some, some things for you that can be really, you know, cancers and things that are kind of risk reduction long-term kind of breaking the cycle. But I, I think it's really like you said, it's, it's kind of not focusing on like you, this is good for you, but like, how do we help you get there? Right. we everybody wants a quick fix. <laughs> yeah. 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 We experienced that too. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. So previous in a previous sort of train of thought, we were talking about this idea of, yeah, getting comfortable touching and feeling and looking mm -hmm. at breasts. And you briefly mentioned hand expression. Mm -hmm. And I think I would love to hear a little bit more about that and what that is and how to mm -hmm. get really good at that. I had a client once tell me pumping doesn't work for her. She only hand expresses and that she gets mm -hmm. so much more milk that way. And it's way more right. efficient. And I, I still, I'm kind of like, well, what, what do you mean? You don't use a pump. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. how, do, how does that even happen? Um, so I would love, I would love to hear, hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. The new kind of, or the, the recommendations are that as far as kind of maximizing your volume of milk, when you're breastfeeding and when you're pumping, that hands-on expression, whether it be um, just feeding, breastfeeding, or pumping will yield more milk. Because if we think, um, I love that, um, is it Bruce Springsteen? A little of that human touch, right? I know you guys work with a lot of tools <laughs> and those are really important in returning the pelvic floor. I'm not sure if the same, but as far as milk production, 
have you, have you guys talked about like lube or natural lube and how that is more certain touches are better? I don't know. So, um, yeah. I, but it is, it's the same hormone, right? Oxytocin mm-hmm. that creates, doesn't make milk, but it lets milk down. And I always say like the same thing that made you get pregnant in the first place is the same hormone that's making you let down your milk. And if I just came with that electric, like, mm, yeah, how wonderful. But, and I love like when I'm in a home and dad's like, eyes are like, wait, wait, I can come back to this conversation now, but what are we talking Your, about? Their ears perk up their eyes. Yeah. <laughs> But touch, whether it be a support partner who's there and it can help because in the in the beginning, right, it can feel like you don't have enough hands. But um, really touching your breasts and hand expression, it's going to stimulate you more and it's going to relax you more. I mean, it can feel awkward to learn, right, you're, if you're not used to touching your breasts. And that's why I would really encourage my pregnant moms to after, you know, once they're kind of cleared in the safe zone to really get comfortable. Cause you know, you can, if you're not a high risk pregnancy, you don't want to initiate labor, but learning to touch your breasts, look at your breasts and hand express. So hand expression can yield more milk and you're really, I have a breast model, yeah. but, but we have, we have milk cells. Women don't realize like when, when women go in for mastectomies, breast cancer, we've got milk cells in our, uh, under our armpits in really like the flanks of our back high up here on the axillary area. And so you just touching in general, a massage before you pump can yield more milk. Isn't that amazing? Like somebody kind of massaging in your flanks and your back and your armpit and your breasts, they tell us to use dummies because our breast demos, because, um, lactation consultants start relactating <laughs> from all the touching of their breasts. So we have to show on a dummy. So for listeners, like holding up a breast. So really just massaging. I always say, warm up the girls before you need them to do work, right? You guys are athletes. You got to warm up. Um, and so you should touch your breasts and massage and generally just, and it's also a good tool to, to do because as women, we should be feeling our breasts because, Hey, cancer is, is a thing and we should be monthly touching our breasts. So from a very early age, so it's good to know your breasts and your body and your vulva. Mm-hmm. So understand your body and the changes because it can let you know that it's working or that it's not working. So same with breast and, um, and then I have had moms who have found and not to found their clogged duct or found maybe this is something more just by having that knowledge of their breast tissue and their changing breast tissue. So um, I like to work in and you're just, as you massage your breasts, you're kind of doing like a light, there's no Helga deep tissue massage going on here. We don't want to injure the breast. Something as, as light as a seatbelt or a bra that's pulled up can cause a clogged duct. So just laying on a flat on a massage chair can cause So we really just want it to be gentle um, massaging. And then you're working from the tops and the sides into that areola. So that's, you start with a gentle massage and then you're pressing back right on a C cup hold um, around the areola Mm -hmm. and then pressing down. And some people hold like this and sorry, some people hold on top of the areola at some C cup, so side or top, and you're just kind of pushing back and squirting out and pushing Mm -hmm. back and you're milking, essentially milking yourself. That's exactly how you milk a cow, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, are you from the Midwest too? Cause I just heard. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So, um, do you listen to Midwest Nice, the Charlie Barrett? Have you seen that? Those big. Oh my gosh! Yes. Oh my so gosh! Funny. That's my family. <laughs> Don't you know? <laughs> yeah. Don't you know? Yeah. Would you like a casserole? Um, yeah. Too so, funny. <laughs> um, but yeah. So just like milking a cow, so you need to go up, you know, into the, the, um, base of the breast and then out and kind of a, just a gentle, but you just start with a warm up massage and then, um, kind of milk down. And then every so often you want to change your kind of touch so that you're getting other areas that are milk ducts. And then when you're pumping, it's a really good thing to put your hands on too. So now they have those hands on bras or hands-free bras. And also you can just take an old sports bra, not while it's on you. I had a mom that was like, do I cut, don't cut that one. <laughs> yeah, don't cut your it. nipple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but cut little, little tiny slits and you can massage your breasts while you're pumping, massage your breasts and express into your baby's mouth, particularly in those early stages. You'll see them all of a sudden they'll think, oh, another letdown's coming and they'll suck, 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 suck harder. And it also helps to reduce clogged ducts because just like if you're hiking, you never want to drink 
water from where it's sitting in these like little pooling areas, right? As we know with like hiking in rivers, right? You stay away from water that doesn't move. Same with milk. You want to keep it flowing or else it's going to get something nasty in it. So mm -hmm. keep it flowing and generally heat, touching your breasts, massaging, moving the milk forward can all help with that. So mm -hmm. touch your breasts, ladies. Well, <laughs> I do know a few public floor PTs who have taken some lymphatic um, training mm -hmm. who will help treat women who have clogged ducts. And um, mm -hmm. I self-treated like borderline mastitis with my first son with ultrasound. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. our therapeutic ultrasounds machines that we that a lot of physical therapists have. Um, I think that was the only time I actually used it in like years was to treat my own <laughs> clogged ducts. Yeah. And it really was like back kind of under mm -hmm. my armpit. It wasn't mm -hmm. even on your, your actual breast. And yeah, that was, that saved me a few times was mm -hmm. being really being able to get in there and help break that up with both touch and the sound waves mm -hmm. and some heat and all. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause it's, you know, yeah, that scar tissue that I wish you saw, right. But, um, but it's true. Like our, our body likes to kind of just hold on. And um, it's amazing to me what I've seen um, women get clogged ducts and I don't want to incite fear, but from really just, oh, I sidelined last night, I'd sideline and nurse my baby. And maybe I had like a little bit of harder pillow and just that, oh, I slept a little bit harder and that change in position in a mom that's more likely and um, depending on the stage of the baby can get a, a clogged duct and that can quickly turn. So um, yeah, something like hand expression or really just um, general breast um, massage is good. I think another funny breast, oh, I don't know, funny is the right term, but like what you were talking about with the, you know, being getting comfortable and getting that oxytocin flowing is I think a mm -hmm. lot of women when they start to feel ready to engage back in sex with their partner mm -hmm. um, postpartum is that when you get aroused, then you start leaking milk everywhere. Mm -hmm. And and mm -hmm. that I remember with my son, that was like a big like, oh my God, what's happening? What mm -hmm. like, yeah. why am I that oxytocin? <laughs> why that oxytocin, man. And then like and then you go, this is not sexy. Like <laughs> this is not this is not cute. Yeah. And so it, it yeah, it's a it's another fun part of that Thanks. postpartum journey. Yeah. <laughs> I think a great tip for moms that are, I would say, titillated leakers, right? So if they're excited, um, moms that are are leaking, because not all uh, not a lot of moms leak. Um, not all moms leak. So that's another thing. And and more likely in subsequent pregnancies too, a second and third, you know, to be like it just depends on the woman. And not all women feel extreme fullness in their breasts in that release. So everybody's kind of sensation is different, which is really interesting to see. Mm -hmm. Um but if you are a, a, a leaker, it's, I think some moms feel more comfortable with, um, especially if you're a shooter, <laughs> because it can ruin the experience when resuming um, coitus, intimacy, uh, put a bra on mm -hmm. with pads and just because it can help with that. Um, I know sometimes that's not as fun. Yeah. Bobby definitely knows that the breasts are for function while mm -hmm. I'm breastfeeding. They are not for fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's funny because like I don't really like my boobs touched. Mm -hmm. I'm not a touchy person in general. That's not but, your thing. but when I was breastfeeding or pregnant, they hello. Can. Yeah. Oh, like yeah. that Isn't was that like the go-to and I and I like loved it. And then so <laughs> after my last one, Ash is like, we might just need another baby just so <laughs> Yeah, isn't that that's really interesting? I, it's interesting, and in, in you're saying that you had um, inverted nipples because sometimes um, inverted nipples can be very, very sensitive um, in the breast because they're not used to being. They're usually really, really protected right. um, by skin. So oftentimes, you know, if you're not used to something, something sucking on them, like a newborn is ten to twelve days, to, regardless of your, you know, marital <laughs> or your, however. Um, but that's not a normal. <laughs> That's not a normal thing, right? What's normal and what's common. I'm sure you guys talk about that all the time. Right. Years, right? Um, then all of a sudden they're out and erect and uh, you have oxytocin. I'm sure that that probably played into the, oh, this actually feels good versus just like women with so much blood flow when they're pregnant. A lot of women are like, wow, I was one of those with the twins. Oh my. Um, my husband was always gone. <laughs> so that was but, um, yeah. I would just, you know, in my sleep, like going, what is going on? Um, I can't. 
any more pregnant than this? And that's all I want. Um, (laughs) And then how it's so different for every woman and just to talk about it. And that's okay. I love when moms and support groups bring about, um, and I wish I had like you guys, like they're like little angels coming like, (laughs) well, so you want to talk about resuming intimacy. Let's talk about this because Mm -hmm. that's a hot topic. Oh yeah. Moms want to (laughs) know. Well, and I think there's a lot of, a lot of pressure, not necessarily even from partners, themselves Mm -hmm. but again that societal pressure that pressure we put on ourselves um at my four week appointment after my first um the ob was like um one of my stitches was still not healed and so there was absolutely no intercourse happening and she was like i would hold off one more week if your husband can handle it (laughs) i'd be like and i was like uh (laughs) if my husband can handle it, uh, no, thank you. Like, why would you yeah. like, and it was, this is a female provider. Mm-hmm. Like I was just like, yeah. uh, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> and so even from someone who works in the field, getting mm-hmm. those types of pressures put on you, um, mm-hmm. for sex, for intimacy, when really, yeah. yeah, your intimate parts, your breasts, your vagina have taken on a whole new role and gone through massive changes, um, to expect them to then be sexy, I think is an unrealistic expectation, but some people do feel really sexy in that period and that's okay too. And that's okay too. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That range. Yeah. I, I actually, I've had um, women tell me that, okay, I need to, can you, Margaret, can you teach me how to wean because my husband wants his breasts back and, 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 and it's, you know, to come with like no judgment, but you're just going, okay, how do I, how do I piece this together? Because, you know, is that going to um, impact you because there's also a, a hormonal. Com- oh, that's right. That was my dog. Okay. <laughs> there's a hormonal um, component to weaning, breastfeeding, and emotions, and there's just so much and and the pressures and you know that was a rare instance, but just yeah, that mm-hmm. kind of um, dialogue of like. Um, what do you, you know, that notebook, what do you want? I don't know. <laughs> um, that moment. I remember watching the Serena Williams documentary about her return back to tennis. And I think she was eight months. She had been breastfeeding for eight months and her coaches and trainers were like, you're never going to get to that level of performance that you want until you stop breastfeeding. And I just don't think there's any research to support that. And I think I hear that from clients, like from patients all the time. It's like, I think I'm going to just feel better. I think my pelvic floor will feel better when I stop breastfeeding. And I disagree. Um, I think estrogen, yes, you're in a slightly lower estrogen state, but there are other things that can be, can be done. And absolutely. If it's your decision to be, to be done and the relationship is not good for both of you anymore mm-hmm. that's one thing but to to think that stopping breastfeeding because it's going to make you feel better or because because you think it's going to enhance your performance or you think it's going to help a relationship i don't know if that's if that's accurate yeah or healthy yeah mm-hmm. I was going to ask or like get into the topic, the big crossroads, I think, between like PTs, pelvic floor PTs, women's health PTs and lactation consultant is that um, relationship where we talk about like the hormone fluctuations and mm-hmm. a lot of people with prolapse are told, well, just give it to a couple months after you stop breastfeeding things even out again and mm-hmm. all those hormone things. What do you know or teach as far as hormone levels and interactions and then like what that's doing or not doing to the female body. Haley hit it on the lack of research because it's not a profitable one until now, until the, until every woman got pumps, there was like no research on, I mean, I, I saw a Ted talk recently that said there was more research on strawberries than there oh, like the, the food that should feed all humans, you know, because they can't market it, right? It's not as, you know, you can't, now we've got nipple shields and all the bras and all the things, but there's really not a lot of research. And, the, and um, there's some great work coming out of UCSD and in San Diego and some, mm-hmm. some new research labs that are really kind of these milk banks now that we can really study human lactation. The interesting thing is, you know, as far as hormones too, and so many women are taking hormonal, um, you know, replacements and Mm -hmm. with pills too. So that plays into it. And then they're given, given it at a certain time that can impact breastfeeding, but Mm -hmm. you know, some women feel 
at their, their best physically in that protected with kind of those higher levels of progesterone and low levels of, of estrogen, lower levels of estrogen. Um, because as we know, like estrogen dominance can probably maybe better for the pelvic, pelvic floor as far as that, but can um, mood, mood wise can mm-hmm. impact that and weight gain. And so it's just kind of that balancing of what's right. I know it's meant to be a protection period or time, right? As far as protection from high levels, higher levels of estrogen, and then, you know, subsequent protection from subsequent pregnancies and kind of prolonging that period. And that's when in that essence, um, we're really helping women's health, right? Helping that woman's health is having her don't take me as an example, but having kind of spaced out healthier pregnancies. So she's not having any uh, repeat injury too soon, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But you hear that they liken lactation to menopause. But I think what where it comes in though, you are having something like higher levels of progesterone or, or, or lower levels of estrogen, but then you're having prolactin and oxytocin, which are really doing some wonderful things for mood and body en- enhancement. And mom's ability to really make fluids um, at that time is peak throughout her whole, you'll see moms find themselves just like, okay, I lean over the baby and I'm dripping my, my knees. Their, their CNS, their central nervous mm-hmm. system is just like turned on, right? Because they're just ready to be leaky. So how that applies to the pelvis, um, yeah. I guess, is it? So what, what some women will find is that they do have a little bit more vaginal dryness, Mm-hmm. in that low, low estrogen state. But I find that's more in the first, like the fourth trimester. Mm-hmm. Um, and then beyond the fourth trimester, it does tend to to level off regardless of breastfeeding status. Mm-hmm. Um, and then women who are really struggling with that lower estrogen state, maybe have some more difficult time with healing is that you can actually use topical estrogen um, mm-hmm. on the vulva and, and in the vaginal tissues. And that helps exponentially and it has no impact on breastfeeding status because mm-hmm. it's really it's absorbed but not to a level that influences breast su- milk right. supply yeah i clinically haven't seen it may have a humongous impact on pelvic floor function or prolapse but people get told that mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. then they just assume like oh i'm never going i've seen lots of clients who have seen other physical therapists said, oh, my physical therapist fired me basically because I'm not going to stop breastfeeding because I want to breastfeed for a year. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, absolutely yeah. not. You, it, That's your decision on what, on how you want to feed your, your child. And if we can build enough resilience and strength in your pelvic floor, regardless of even hormonal status, it will, you will feel better. Yeah. No, it, you know? it, the amount of times that they come to me and said, well, I, ha- I have to have this minor surgery with localized or general anesthesia. Um, and so they, I said, I have to wean and you're going, unfortunately for me, I had a, a uterine um, rupture and, and I was intubated. And I breastfed right after with heavy, heavy sedation and not to say I broke, but we're giving moms pain meds to recover from cesareans and just the, the automatic kind of sometimes pharmacy or surgery that doesn't have a lot to do with OB, I would hope not, is being told, meaning I'm hoping that our peds and our OBs are kind of up on the research to know that like, no, actually the statistics, depending, I mean, every mom's, you know, we can talk about some psychotropic drugs or, um, LactMed is a great site <laughs> for checking. Okay, we'll- uh, yeah. Yeah. Checking, um, compatibility with breastfeeding. But in general, I think there's a lot of, oh, you shouldn't breastfeed because of this coming up when you're going, looking at the research, you're going actually prolonged breastfeeding, breastfeeding of a two year is the recommendation by the American Academy of Pediatrics. And how are we protecting that? And Mm-hmm. Um, even with yeah. research, looking so, at what is what is, has always been done versus what is actually accurate, I think is is mm-hmm. huge in a lot of women's health. So, as far as like joint stability and tissue extensibility, mm-hmm. there's no correlation between hormones during breastfeeding and not breastfeeding. I don't know for 100, percent mm-hmm. but I don't think that there's any good studies that support that. Yeah, I same. Um, you know, and then sometimes you know now there's a lot of new research on some of the more extreme like athletes and breastfeeding and dieting and how and how that not dieting but uh, nutrition for their athletic 
performance. Um, oh, and the, the book is escaping me, but this, you know, tri- hardcore triathlete who kind of goes through the different metabolic levels and how she can perform at different states. Um, we might have to edit this out because yeah. I'm kind of blanking on the name. I don't is know. The, Stacey but, uh, Sims, like the. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but um, it's really interesting to, to see. I, I don't know specifically as far as um, it's a really good question because we have so many moms with, and I think it has to do with, there's two focuses of lactation that there needs to be a lot more research is postural breastfeeding and really, I call it like occupational health breastfeeding because moms are like this for particularly our NICU moms that have like limited areas to just like pump or be with these babies that are in there for six months or sitting in this chair and, you know, like the carpal tunnel or all of the um, discomfort in breastfeeding that they're doing so often. And there's just not a lot of information given to moms on how they should be getting come. I loved why I saw your videos, Haley, on just like how they should be. They're going to be doing this 10 times a day, like put on Jason pictures of Jason Momoa, get comfortable, put on relaxing music. I mean, that's, yeah. what I'd like. that's what I would love to do, you know, um, He's my, my dragon. <laughs> uh, I always tell moms, whatever you have to do for, <laughs> you're going to be doing this for uh, a lot of your life, but the, the comfort and the getting physically comfortable because you, it also yields better milk production. If this versus if we're, and then also yeah. kind of mindfulness meditation, there's not a lot, like if you Google, there's probably two videos on kind of getting in a mindset for um, breastfeeding and pumping. Mm-hmm. I think so on another two. podcast, there was some statistic or one, some statement that was like, there was zero federal dollars spent on mm-hmm. women's health research until 1991. <laughs> that's not yeah. that long ago. Um, and, and so I think that's, well, um, we went to the moon before we figured out the clitoris. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes. Awesome. Yeah. I li- I'm going to, I like that. Cause because the idea I, is the hormones make you more lax. But I, so- think, I think you sort of answered that with say menopause is low estrogen, a low estrogen state, but postnatal and breastfeeding is low estrogen, high progesterone, but higher prolactin and oxytocin, which is not the case in menopause. And so is that- Yeah, you're being protected by these kind of female protective hormones where when menopause, we kind of become more like men, right? Um, Mm -hmm. In that, that's why we have like higher- cardiac issues that that's, you know, we kind of mm-hmm. are, are hormones. So it's yeah, not all- exactly like menopause. Like, menopause. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Cause um, I've heard it's more of the prolactin, not the edge. The prolactin causing the- a little bit of laxity. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'd have yeah. to uh, like now I'm like questioning. Uh, I think whatever. when, oh, no, <laughs> I, I, yeah. no, when no, people, no, no, no. Yeah. But when people ask me about it, I don't think that that should be a, a, determining, a, consi- factor. a, a determining factor. Yeah. If you want to be done okay. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to be done, okay. And we can facilitate whatever goal that, whatever goal that is, but to like, but to say Mm -hmm. that like in the case of Serena Williams, to say that she wasn't going to get any better or any faster or any better at tennis because of breastfeeding. I just, I just had a hard time watching that and her struggle with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It would be interesting to see because just because prolactin levels vary so differently at Mm -hmm. different points in your breastfeeding journey Mm -hmm. at different Mm -hmm. points of the day, it would be interesting to see like athletic peak performance versus, you know, what most moms, um, we have more milk, higher, much, much higher prolactin level. And that's not to say all, but most in, and there's some women that are switched and it's nocturnal, but in that early morning morning, you have the high, high, you could always feel like, why can I pump so much? Or in that morning period, that kind of six to 10 and you're, and those levels are high. It'd be interesting to see if our, when our prolactin levels are the highest, um, or the lowest, you know, because mm-hmm. depending, usually they get what? high and then you start making, if that impacted kind yeah, of the influence. Okay, well, on if I were to, yeah. If I were to work out later in the day, and then as we're breastfeeding, like a six month old or a year old or a three-year-old, when our levels are so much different than a, than a newborn or a, um, at six months when we're having high, higher um, volume. And what if it's versus not like constant feeding hormones at all and posture? 
Yeah, because we know that that slump posture, looking down, affects our breathing, affects the pelvic floor, Mm -hmm. joint like joints are going to be cranky. Mm -hmm. Your muscle balance will be off, and then you stop breastfeeding, and maybe it's not the hormones that level that. Maybe yeah, and I think some people do report that they feel better when they stop, but it might be more of an independence thing. Like, okay, now I have my my quote unquote body to myself now. Mm -hmm. And then we feel a little bit more like ourselves because we're not beholden to a baby or a pump anymore. Or yeah. Or cortisol, cortisol levels. Like Mm -hmm. if you're not sleeping, Mm -hmm. those are so high. Um, Mm -hmm. And if you're not sleeping because you're not getting support in the breastfeeding and you're doing it, then you're going to feel better um, Mm -hmm. not doing it. Or if you, um, you know, just depending on the size of your baby or how, what you're, that's why I, I think it, it's really important to get moms comfortable when breastfeeding and make it, make it as enjoyable, like they matter and their comfort and their, um, make it an experience that is enjoyable for them. Because if it's something that you're hating um, right, doing, right. then we need to look at that. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, women are just so beautifully cl- complex and that's why it's hard to research women because we are um, a mystery. <laughs> our hormones and our reaction to those hormones and all of that is so such a mm-hmm. such a balance. And and that's where I think a lot, you know, that one-on-one care is so valuable. That's where lactation mm-hmm. consultants who are wealth of knowledge, physical therapists, counselors, all of those things mm-hmm. can create this, this plan. Um, you know, yeah, we all want that quick fix, but it's not that simple. It's never that simple. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I always love just watching moms because my mom's with bigger, more pendulous breasts. I wasn't one of um, those, but personally, but you just see them. And I always say, bring baby up to the bar, not the bar to the baby, because they'll just kind of take their breaths to baby. You just so in like, let me do that. I'll change and transform in any way you want me to. And instead of like, mom, get comfy, make this for you, put a pillow in your back under your bottom and let's bring baby to you. It's like so much of just like, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For the military, um, maybe a little bit about how like TRICARE coverage of lactation and sort of seeking that out for our military moms. For my military, for military moms, um, I would really tap into what free resources that they have. So I'm not sure. Can, do you have the name of the equivalent? Somebody told me recently with the army. So we're the Navy Marine Corps Relief Society visiting nurse. What I do by day, the nonprofit I worked for that Haley did amazing um, presentation for does the army, is it just overseas? Do you guys have visiting nurses? Yes. I had a client. I had a, when I worked pediatrics, they had a nurse come out from the military every Was it month for or like a, uh, did they have like an identified issue? Yeah. No, oh. no. And then a friend, a friend who had all the resources, she was that one friend that you could ask anything. <laughs> she had all the, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, a nurse would come and just like check in like certain points and then give oh. them free books and give them free toys. And mm. okay. So that might be, so there's new parent support too, through like kind of your family. So she's, they're, they're not clinical. So they're doing kind of like um, education of um, they kind of follow a plan for anyone who's maybe husband's deployed. And it's a great, great program. As far as the kind of more community health nurse where you're weighing baby and asking how many times you're peeing and you can assess mom and baby and then report back with your um, practitioner or the healthcare provider. Um, Those programs. So Navy Marine Corps Relief Society has one. And I believe the army might have a component. I should know this um, overseas for, um, but it's so important. I always say we should go to the margins, right? Our moms that are particularly military moms, because you're moving so often. So you can't build that, that network. You know, there are lactation consultants at the MTF and at the military treatment facility. And so that's um, a reimbursed route. Um, And then also you want to see who's in network. Um, I've been really pushing. It's something I'm adamant about. Unfortunately, it's very hard. I don't know if you have the same thing with pellet floor to become Mm -hmm. in network. For Mm -hmm. instance, I can't know overseas. We can't be in network overseas. Um, And there's no other resources. Um, Mm -hmm. And then once you're moving so frequently, 
you know, it takes same with our mental health therapists. So this is a problem in general, the TRICARE, in my opinion, um, you can hear me, <laughs> but it takes a long time to get in network and you can get denied. And then um, depends on state licensing. Um, even if you're offering virtual, you know, and you're only going to be in that state, it takes a long time. And so the Surgeon General just had like, we need to reimburse women's health services and women's health postpartum. That was like, the initiative. So hopefully there'll be more fallout um, with TRICARE. Um, I think we have statistically, like as far as an insurance, like the highest amount of women in season needing these services for one insurance group, yet some of the most limited extensive networks. So for lactation under the Affordable Care Act, um, it says that these should be reimbursed lactation support. Um, and TRICARE says it, they have to be in network now um, for them to reimburse you. So finding somebody who's in network it, um, can be tricky. And so I would just keep on searching, ask your military health provider, ask whoever is your provider. And then if not, um, submit a claim to TRICARE and keep on submitting it. I hate that any postpartum mom has to submit a claim. And, it, and then there's a lot of free resources. If anyone wants to reach out to me, um, I can help them get into free resources in their area. And then there's a lot of some free virtual so, um, resources. So well. let us know your, what is your website and your, all your yeah. social, your social handles. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of a dinosaur lady. So I'm just new on the whole um, social media and I'm just so blown away by what you guys are doing. So I, I, for a long time, I'm the, the joke that I thought Twitter was Tinder. So <laughs> no, no, that's how cool I am. If you can see, and I've been living overseas for so long, so I'm just kind of in a rock, but I'm just getting in this and it's important and I'm learning so much, yeah. but Some you can find right. me. Okay. <laughs> you can find me at the mobile milkmaid and then www.themobilemilkmaid.com. So I provide virtual lactation support. And um, I, it's really important to me if anyone income is a factor and I can work with them um, to, to make sure that moms are getting the support they need. So if I need to help them find free resources in their area or offer, um, I have kind of like a scholarship program, not really a scholarship program, but can subsidize any um, virtual support. It's really important, particularly for our moms that are low income or come from adverse backgrounds. Nice. Um, and yeah, so um, touch your boobies, um, your breasts, <laughs> touch your breasts and know that they're normal and they're you and um, they're perfect just the way they are. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Thank That's you awesome. so much. Thank this was you. awesome. communicate with Addie and I both in regards to the podcast questions, comments, concerns, topics that you want discussed on our podcast Facebook page, Don't Beat Around the Bush podcast, as well as our email account, which is Don't Beat Around the Bush podcast at gmail.com. You can also find our podcast on all the major podcast platforms. So please subscribe, comment and share all the bushy love. It's probably pretty obvious that our episodes are edited and produced by Addie and myself. <laughs> and our music is provided by Blockhead. <laughs>